Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. This is our ninth bonus show. So thank you so much for joining us once again. It's good. Yeah, and I, I should say, my name is Henry. And uh, no Chloe this time around, but joining us is uh, our good buddy, Jacob Bowers. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Jacob the, number one, as he's also known. Henry and Jacob bonus show. Yeah. Collective. Yeah, we're back again. <laughs> and so, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, it, and this time around, in honor of the Charlie's Angels reboot that has just been released, we are doing a show centered around the films of Kristen Stewart, who happens to be Jacob's favorite actress, or yeah. one of. And so it's, it's going to be a really good time. We have a bunch of reviews. It's going to be the first Twilight from 2008, Adventureland, Snow White and the Huntsman, Clouds of Sils Maria, Certain Women, and Personal Shopper. And so, six six big ones, <laughs> Jacob. Hits. Yeah. And so, yeah, we got some of her bigger films as well as some of her more recent art house works. And so, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting talk. I think we've been trying to plan this for a while, so I'm glad we finally got the chance. And if you are new to the bonus shows we won't be doing any news or listener questions or anything like that it's going to be purely uh cinema reviews so which is okay well jacob uh how you doing it's been a little while yeah yeah i'm doing i'm doing good good i'm uh i've missed it you know yeah you've and you were saying you've been enjoying the regal Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is not a plug in any way, but <laughs> I got the, the the Regal Unlimited Pass, unlimited movies. It's it's finally here. They play that ad at the beginning of every movie. Yeah, uh, you know, go go get it. Yeah, sponsored by Regal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've been wanting to get it. I think I, I will, especially now that you have it. Yeah, to all the listeners out there, there are no, you know, um, catches. I do think it's very worth it. You're not hit with any hidden fees, except for a 53 cent convenience fee if you're getting tickets off the app. So not technically free, but mm. if you do go to the theater, it is free. But if anyone's on the fence about it, I think it's very worth it. I've seen like 11 movies with it so far. Sometimes three in one day. Jeez, it's you know you can you can add us over here. Yeah. You can you can only reserve up to three tickets at once on the app, but if you go to the theater, you can just you be there all day. Yeah, <laughs> they'll start looking at you weird, but you can just. That's cool though, man. Just one after the other. Yeah. Well, Jacob, I guess we can start off like the, with the other shows. We can talk about our introduction to Kristen Stewart, how we <laughs> when we first came across her, oh, and, yeah. and when did the 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 craze for Kristen Stewart start for you? <laughs> Well, were you a Twilight, <laughs> Twilight guy? Yeah, I saw, I saw her in Twilight. Didn't know who she was before that. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I assume she was in some stuff before yep. that. She, yeah, she was in um, Panic Room with David Fincher right, and right. Into the Wild <clears throat> with David Lynch. No, not David Lynch. Uh, what's his name? Sean Penn. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, Twilight. Um, I had a girlfriend in like <laughs> the seventh grade. Nice. Who uh, 
who wanted me to read all the books with her. So I read them. I didn't read all of them. I read the first two and then got a little boring. Sorry to Twilight fans out there. Mm. But. I, I think that's, <laughs> that's but, right. um, Then when the first Twilight came out, I watched it. Didn't think she was very great in it. No. But then, of course, <laughs> later in life, realized that was because it wasn't necessarily her fault. Yeah. Um, she probably wasn't given a lot to work with. And then when you reflect back on the books, her character is written almost exactly how she plays that character. Yeah. So she actually did a good job. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I wouldn't say that's exactly when I started being a fan of her. It sort of just grew gradually over the years. Yeah. Um, I'd say it really hit when she started making indie movies. And I was like, wow, you know, she's really giving it her all. Yeah. She can really, you know, screw anyone. That says she can't act because just what go go watch certain women go mm-hmm. watch personal shopper go watch clouds of uh Maria. yeah she's she's an actress american ultra right a classic <laughs> yeah yeah she's she is an actress yeah <clears throat> um and her i i always found like adventureland is one of my favorites and i was i always found her and jesse eisenberg to have a really great on-screen chemistry. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that they would, but I think they should make more movies together. Yeah, they're they're great together. I don't. It's just yeah. It's when you know, like Cafe Society, Ventureland, American uh, Ultra. Yeah. Oh yeah, I had forgotten. Yeah, they were in three together. But anyways, yeah. What about you? For me, I mean, I had heard. Of course, I had heard of her when Twilight came out. I didn't see any of them until the past year. Mm. And I've only seen the first one. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to check out the others; they're <laughs> really good. <laughs> so you know, I I think I can't remember what the first one I saw of her was. Maybe Snow White and the Huntsman, but I think I have definitely grown. She's grown on me a lot for sure. I think that of all of the young, I guess, kid actors like, you know, with these big franchises like Daniel Radcliffe and Robert Pattinson mm. and uh, and a few others. But I think she, <clears throat> similar with them, have really broken this uh, stereotype of them never really breaking out into anything else other than just these big money-making. It's true. Yeah, and I think she's really proven herself to be a pretty interesting and dynamic actress and i would i would say she's one of the more interesting young actor uh, actors working today i think that even if not all of her films are five out of fives i think that she's making some of the most interesting choices yeah, and, and um and robert pattinson <clears throat> i mean he's had a, quite a year as well so Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, and as you said, Daniel Radcliffe, they've yeah. all been killing the indie scene. Yeah, for sure. Really, you know, like Robert Pattinson's even was in like a Cronenberg, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in Cosmopolis. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that the more I watch of her, you all right? <laughs> Sorry. I was just thinking about the lighthouse again. Oh yeah, it's a good time. Movies <laughs> wild. Yeah, and I, I think that the more I watch of her. <clears throat> the more I like her. I mean, I sh- and I think some of that may even just be with how her performance is in Twilight not being very good or just, I mean, in that movie in general not being great. But Except for that baseball scene. 
it'll show up on our top. Uh, <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that she. I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. What was I going to say? I took your train of thought. That's all right. Um, just shoot. something about Twilight not being good. Oh yeah, so it's her. I think one of the most interesting things about her and impressive things about her is just her career arc and development where she's gone from this very pretty bland blockbuster into doing some really pretty emotional nuanced performances. And I think just her improvement as an actress is one of the coolest things about her. And she's kind of really shown people that she can be more than just a, you know, a twilight right uh star Cause, so because snow White and the huntsman wasn't, wasn't really top tier either no <laughs> no so it's uh and now with charlie's angels this is like her first real like blockbuster since snow white Am I right yeah she's yeah i mean much. american ultra is kind of but it's that was a pretty small sure. movie anyways but yeah so mm. she's she's mostly been doing a lot of indie movies which we'll be talking about in a little bit but yeah so you've been busy over here yeah, I watched Personal Shopper last night. Just got the criterion of it, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, all right, well, I guess we can jump right in, Jacob. we got plenty of movies to talk about. Oh, yeah. So, we can get into the first Twilight, which came out in 2008, and it's directed by Catherine Hardwick, and of course, it stars Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson, Sarah Clark see who else we got here. Taylor Lautner. Yeah, Billy Burke. Can't forget. Yeah, a- Anna Kendrick, Nikki Reed. And the synopsis is Bella Swan moves to Forks and encounters Edward Cullen, a gorgeous boy with a secret. So this one made quite a, a bit of money, obviously. Okay. It made 393 million against a budget of 37. And of course, it went on to just be a massive sensation and franchise yeah. and really, uh, you know, went along with Harry Potter. I, I mean, shortly afterwards in terms of these massive YA movies and uh, especially with the trend of breaking a, a book up into two films. Mm. I mean, Harry Potter did it first, but this one mm. kind of continued it. Not that that's really a good thing, but. What is the, well, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but what was like the average uh, gross for like the Harry Potter movies? They're pretty high. I mean, I mean, I, I would say they're more towards between 500 and a billion now, I, I would think. I mean, okay, yeah. I, I, can, I was just thinking about how like most, most AAA blockbusters these days are just, they're just hitting a billion left and right. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know if that was like different back in the day. Yeah, so just just kind of random. So the Half Blood Prince, which is the sixth one, made nine hundred and thirty four million. So okay. and that's I would say that's a pretty average run for the, those movies. So yeah, it's doing pretty well. Because Joker just hit a billion. Yeah, recently. Crazy. Yeah. Um. Well, I completely forgot that Anna Kendrick was in Twilight. Yeah, I think everybody did. Because I, I really <laughs> like her too. Yeah. Well, Jacob, what do you think of the first Twilight? Is it a masterpiece? Is it misunderstood? Or is it 
Who who did Anna Kendrick play in Twilight? She plays one of the the other high school friends of. Okay, yeah. Bella. Oh, that's right. Ashley Green played uh, Alice the Vampire. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> want to be honest? <laughs> yeah, man. You, you, this is this is a safe place. You're. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's very good, but um, I don't think it's that bad. Mm-hmm. I would watch it again, um, but it's not going in my top 10. Of all time. <laughs> of all time. <laughs> that's, no. that's fair. It's not going in my top 10 of, uh, of, of movies I saw last week. Yeah. But um, it's got its merit. Well said. <laughs> Review done. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, just, uh, you know, uh, I just remember it being really gray. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and really, blue. Yeah. Really it's... dramatic. Uh, very similar to the book. Oh, you read um, the book? Yeah. Remember I read the first oh, That's too. right. That's right. All right. Because uh, the, the book was sort of just like a kind of kind of read like fan fiction hmm. Good old yeah stephanie, oh yeah stephanie stephanie meyer yeah uh anyways yeah just a gray blue masterpiece mm-hmm. yeah so like i said i had i hadn't seen them until or any of them until uh recently and i guess i i mean i i agree with you i, I tried not to be overly critical of it it's not a very good movie and I think that it, it is, especially when you compare it to these other franchises, like especially Harry Potter is the big one, but there's just such a massive difference in quality. Just the oh, of course. performances, the the writing and characters and everything. It's kind of shocking almost how different these uh, franchises can be, even with something like The Hunger Games, which isn't a perfect franchise, but even that has more compelling elements to it than i think twilight does yeah and, I, I could also say a lot about the quality of harry potter towards the end yeah but that's for another day yeah <laughs> yeah and my the biggest issue with this one and i mean i think all of them in general but this one starts it is that it's just dull it's not like i can get over the bad acting and bad writing all of that it's just not very interesting to watch. Like nothing happens in it, honestly. Like mm-hmm. she meets Robert Pattinson and that's about it. <laughs> and then there's just these kind of conversations between them, which I mean, isn't just cause that's the case. Isn't a bad thing inherently. One thing that's well known is that they dated off screen, but right. there's no chemistry between them whatsoever. No, and so you could, you could care less about, their relationship and it's true. and I mean, of course, a lot of this is is old news. But I, the idea of I mean, and I get it. It's like a teenager love story. Like you know, you'll become become yeah. obsessed with someone. She's um, unequivocally, irrevocably in love with him. Yes, it really does kind of send a bad message. Yeah. Now, look, I'm not. I mean, I would say the majority of the audience for this franchise would be teenage girls right i mean am i am i wrong there yeah i'd say that you're right okay i think the i think the hard facts and statistics would show that to be accurate yeah 
and mm. which I mean is fine, but I think that and now I'm not a teenage girl. All right, so I could be, I'm just talking uh conjecture. Yeah, it kind of like sends a bad message to kids because like you you're there's this girl who is very fragile and depressed and then she meets this guy who is so cold and uncaring of her in, in so many ways like he's and, mysterious i don't care <laughs> <laughs> you know he'll say things like you know i've killed people uh and you know and i, I like watching you sleep oh, yeah. things like that and then she's like oh i i love you you're the best guy ever and it's like it's showing that no matter what this guy does to her she'll just keep going along with what he does um, and, and all relationships should be based on physical attraction alone nothing else no no that's, not, that's not, the message yeah yeah no <laughs> not that but the thing is he's not even he's a, a good-looking guy but i don't think that in this he's not he's not all that that appealing to me personally i know some people do but for I one thing the, the thing that is horrible about these movies the vampire contact lenses oh horrible i, I forgot about that. terrible it's just not a very compelling relationship and it's kind of almost off-putting because it's just this very one-sided rela- relationship where someone will be very angry and um, just not, not really showing care for her at all except in some of the most intense situations and she'll just fall flat over feet <laughs> for her. Uh, for this guy no matter what he does and it's just kind of it's not that interesting of a relationship to me but and and then again you have the other franchises like Harry Potter or Hunger Games where there are these very I mean there are of course antagonists and bad characters but I think that they still have a, a better m- more moral and ethical dynamic with them in terms of what you can get behind because in this you don't really care about anybody and and then at that same time the performances are so blank that it, you can't really latch on to that either and that's that is the moment when people were like this is Kristen Stewart this is how she this is how she always going to be yeah that stuff is kind of a pretty big flaw to the movie and and of course Taylor Lautner is unforgivable in this. <laughs> he is someone who has continued falling back into the trend of these um, like young actors not moving on from their franchises because he's gone and done other things, but it's clear he is not a very dynamic actor. Reminds me of Channing Tatum, but Channing Tatum is very successful. Yeah, exactly. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, but Taylor Lautner, I'd say, unlike mm. Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, has not grown as an actor as you had mentioned i i don't like how it looks it's too like 90s uh like just that like blue filter very gray it's just very 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 gray blue yeah don't think it looks very good the direction is okay i mean i actually saw this director at sundance when i was there the year before last speaking at a panel which was interesting but did you ask some questions about about twilight i didn't but i i was purely there to observe Mm. but i I got to see taika watiti speak as well so that was cool yeah 
and I'm see his new movie oh it's good yeah is it yeah it's not in regal yet so mm. i'm waiting for that to happen yeah and so, I mean, I don't think the direction is horrible. I mean, I think that the source material just doesn't really lend itself to being very high quality anyways, but there's just nothing very interesting that happens in terms of direction. It's, I mean, it's, the camera is always kind of like moving and, and is like tilted at odd angles, which I guess I can appreciate, but it's not really enough to save it in any way. One, one scene I love uh, just great a great moment of teenager love is when Bella walks into the classroom and Robert Pattinson uh, smells her and he just throws his his hand over his nose and like stares at her because she smells so bad <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah just stuff like that it's it's so unsubtle let's remember the the vocabulary used in the book was so bizarre yeah as I said before you know unequivocally irrevocably yeah I think, I think at one point he was explaining to her since they don't age that they've matriculated yeah many times mm-hmm. when i was a kid you know what does matriculated mean yeah sounds weird very very academic <laughs> i mean i mean there's the the element of robert pattinson being like being a vampire and being i, I guess violent and angry and when they go to have uh romance together in bed he's like no i i can't i can't do it because i can't lose control when i'm around you and it, it's trying to yeah, bring right. up that idea of like you know teenager i i guess uh, teenage <laughs> sex life i guess you know very uh, similar yeah and it's just it's but it's so it's so poorly done that it's just it's goofy which i mean isn't necessarily a bad thing either, but I think at the same time, it's trying to take itself seriously. And so there's an odd tone to it, but oh yeah. Uh, But I mean, again, I I don't think it's horrible. Uh, It's, I would say it's one of the better entries uh, of the ones I've seen. I haven't seen all of them, but I don't think it's as bad as people say. I mean, it's obviously when you can nitpick to death, but, I mean, it's just a, it's a cheesy blockbuster. I'm not going to try and make it out to be Schindler's list here. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a, just a blockbuster. So is it more or less exciting than Schindler's list? Uh, less. (laughs) (laughs) uh, And I, oh, the score is by Carter Burwell, who has done the majority of the Coen brothers films. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I wonder if the Coen brothers have seen Twilight. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, so... Well, any anything else about Twilight, Jacob? Uh, who plays her father? Oh, yeah, I had uh, forgotten about the dad. Look that up for me. I believe it's Billy Burke. Mm. Yeah, and, and that, that character is that very frustrating because... As, and especially as the series progresses, he's so oblivious. Yeah. To, but then at the same time, he'll he'll jump back and forth between being um, attentive to Bella, and then he'll be completely unaware of, or uh, he won't be curious at all about what's going on with her. And it's not that it's trying to portray a like oblivious father. It's just that it's very poorly written 
Oh yeah. You know, and it's, it's not creating a, an interesting dynamic of this dad. Who's like kind of cares, but kind of doesn't. It's just that it's so uneven that it can never make up its mind. And you have no idea what his actual, um, understanding is of her, uh, his daughter's life. Like in, I think it's maybe the beginning of the second one or actually it might be, I don't think it's in this one, but where she gets all these bruises and she wakes up in the hospital. And, uh, he says, Hey, what happened? And she says, I fell down like two flights of stairs, <laughs> like went through a window, things like that. And he's just like, Oh, okay. <sighs> it's like, you know, it's like your daughter is covered in bruises. And she says, Oh, I just fell down a couple flights of stairs. I'm clumsy. Sorry, dad. It's, it's like, and it's, it, it, there's just, and it's so unbelievably oblivious that it's, it's, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like clumsy Bella. Oh, <laughs> fell down two flights of stairs. You know, I do that sometimes. Do you have that? Do you have that list of characters in front of you? Right there? Yeah. Here's it. All right. All right. What's up? Test my my knowledge here. Yeah, please. So got, yeah, let's do it. Let's got let's, uh, Bella and Edward. Yeah, they're together. Jacob, the love triangle interest. Yes. And then we've got Jasper and Alice. They're together. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carlisle and Esmeralda are the parents. Renesme is Bella's future baby. She's not in this one though. Mm. Uh, then we have Emmett. Not remember that last girl's name. Hmm. It's the last vampire child. Hmm. There's too many characters listed here. I don't know. It's the only one I didn't say. It has like everybody in the movie. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and uh, you know, Carlisle, mid thirties, has a bunch of adopted children who are in their late twenties. Mm-hmm. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and then Bella's like, what do you do all the time if you don't sleep? And they're like, we just have sex all night. Yeah. All night, every night. Yeah. That's what they do. Cool. When they play baseball. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We haven't even talked about that. So there is the, <laughs> there's just a famous vampire baseball scene and where it's like you know super high speed crazy baseball and it's and it has the song by muse playing oh, over it massive black hole oh god it's it's <laughs> terrible they have to wait for uh they they can only play in storms because they have to wait for <laughs> they have to wait for a thunderclap to happen yeah obviously when they hit the ball it's so loud that people might wonder what what's going on yeah they might encounter them yeah and I, I love it when, like, afterwards, after it all g- goes wrong, and Edward is driving Bella away, and they, he's, like, spitting off all of this really, like, dark, dramatic dialogue, and he's wearing, like, a Yankees baseball shirt, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a pinstripe shirt, and it looks so ridiculous. It's great. The costume design. Yeah. Really brilliant. Up there. Yeah. And, but really, any design of the... The vampires is so lame. Like the the trio that comes to uh, ru- ruin the baseball scene, where, where it's like the blonde guy, the guy with dreads, and then the the woman. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot is that they were this early. Just the the design is the worst. Like it's so it's so lame and uninspired and and very very dated. 
And um, there are three books or four? Four, I believe. Right, Twilight, New Moon, Breaking Dawn, and Eclipse. Eclipse, that's right. The Tragedy of Midnight Sun, it never released. Yeah. It's supposed to be the first book, Twilight, but from Edward's perspective. Huh. Well, I that's some that will be missed. I I would love to read that. It's tragic. Yeah. And I mean I I don't mean to be getting off onto into the other movies, but my favorite one of my I think my favorite scene in the entire franchise, Jacob the my favorite scene. Okay. Is in New New Moon where Bella is having her birthday party with the vampires, the other vampires, and uh she's given a gift or or something like that and she cuts her finger on a piece of paper she gets a paper cut and she uh her uh index finger is starting to bleed a little bit and so of course being around vampires it makes sense she holds up her finger her bloody finger looks around the room at the vampire the other vampires and goes paper cut (laughs) (laughs) it's just a fantastic scene (laughs) maybe maybe i have seen this yeah i don't know i should go watch the other uh the other four you should. I think. I think yeah. they're all on Hulu right now. So, um, but it's just like, yeah. Here, I'm. I my the one thing you're not supposed to do around vampires is bleed. And she just makes a point of holding up her bloody finger, going paper cut. <laughs> uh, I gotta show you something, Henry. Oh yeah, please. Let's stop you, and let's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this. Uh, this this just arrived in the mail for me for me last night. Is this a a blu-ray yeah 4k ultra hd holy moly yeah so jacob here is showing me a picture of something unrelated sorry but it's a (laughs) the marvel studios infinity saga 4k so this has every marvel film including the incredible hulk wow all on 4k that is amazing bonus disc with tons of deleted stuff how many how many pesos did that set you back? <laughs> um, 600. Jeez. <laughs> Whoa, boy. But, uh, you know. That's not that mean, Hey. You know, it was limited, so they're going for like a thousand now. <sighs> also, I think if you wanted to get all of them in 4K Ultra HD individually, it'd be like something like 800. Mm-hmm. We got, you know, well, I mean, signatures here. Wow. I got, I got number 41 out of 4,025. That is cool, man. That's good. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, well, I mean, since you you got dig in there. Yeah, well, I mean, since you got the the collection rather than the the single uh, discs, you saved money. You made money in this deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, well done. With I that mean, one. I guess you know, some someone could argue that I could go shopping for deals for each one, but you know, yeah, I collect. I like it. I like the the big box. Yeah. Uh, also, I got Disney Plus. I oh, I got that the other day I as well. Actually, I I, it, so. I got Disney Plus. So got everything on there too yeah anyways yeah um well that's you know yeah twilight marvel yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe do a crossover <laughs> of some kind so but i mean again Kristen stewart is not very good in it but I, I i think especially with what she's done since i don't really blame her for that but i mean it's you know it's when you're watching it it's not a good performance so i i can't defend her completely but i i I get it you know i I get it so and i think she gets it too yeah yeah (laughs) i mean she seems aware so yeah all right well uh out of five jacob 
two. I'm I'm two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I'm excited for Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. So all right, well I guess we can move on to What's next. We have Adventureland, Ooh. which came out in two thousand nine and is written and directed by Greg Matola, and it stars Kristen Stewart, Jesse Eisenberg, Ryan Reynolds, who else we got here? Uh, Kelsey Legend, Michael Zegan, Jack Gilpin, Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader, Martin Starr, that's about it. And the synopsis is, in the summer of 1987, a college graduate takes a nowhere job at his local amusement park only to find it's the perfect course to get him prepared for the real world. So, this one made $17.2 million against a budget of $9.8 million, So, pretty small movie. But I think it's had a bit of a, a cult following, so to speak. And it's it, this came out, yeah, like just a year after Twilight. And so, Kristen Stewart was kind of... I guess riding off the po- the popularity of that, and although I mean I guess this movie didn't make a ton of money, so I guess that's not necessarily true. But I, I still think that it's her. At least she has a, a little range in this. I mean, she has more comedic chops, and but I, I think she's still very much within that Bella phase, where it's like kind of a relatively blank faced, depressed teenager who hasn't really showered in a day or two (laughs) kind of deal which i mean is fine but but i think in uh having that in this new environment i don't know i feel like it works i do i do too i I think it's it it works a lot better in a we escape forks washington yeah Yeah, we're good i think that it's it works better in an ensemble and as a more as a comedy and I mean, this movie is, feels very Judd Apatow inspired the, like the, I guess the, the Apatow effect where it's these comedies that are injected with relatively decent drama and, and characters. And so the, the runtime is extended a, a little bit. And of, of course that's been copied a lot these days where essentially every comedy is two hours long. Which like is, I mean, not movie. and not in a good way, but yeah, Co- comedies. I feel should, that's one genre that doesn't need to be that long, you know. No dramas, I get it, you know. Dramas, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the two genres, yeah. Horror, horror movies too, are pretty pretty long. Yeah, <clears throat> and I think that I mean in this case, I think, and especially for the. <laughs> For the time that it came out, it works. Like I think the character relationships are fairly decent for a movie like this. I mean, there's the the romance, the uh, the secret romance between Kristen Stewart and Ryan Reynolds, and then of course that the main mm. uh, dynamic between her and Jesse Eisenberg, and then there's also the the like the quote unquote pretty girl um, who's I actually thought was. I was worried at first where she would just be the kind of like the the pretty girl side character who's always kind of jumping in and just 
um, creating attention and, and um, energy, but she actually has a, a pretty interesting arc and they, they do a good job of giving most characters a, a relatable side. Now, had you, had you seen this previously? Oh, I, I had not actually. I, I watched it for the first time about a week ago. So oh, cool. I, I watched it a long time ago in high school. Mm. Yeah, it, it's just one I, I, I had heard about, but I, I never got around to watching. Yeah, a lot of heavy hitters in there. Yeah. Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much a like, a like an SNL, Seth Rogen yeah. kind of group of, of people. And but I, I, I think I, in, a, in a good way. I forgot that Martin Starr was in there. Yeah. I've actually been watching a lot of Martin Starr recently. Not not uh not intentionally. It's just uh I I I went and watched Freaks and Geeks. Mm? Oh yeah. And then classic. Uh, and then I watched all of Silicon Valley. Uh and now I'm watching Party Down. Nice. I don't always have a lot to do at work. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I pull out the <laughs> the tv yeah that's cool but i uh, and then you know rewatch Adventureland, and i'm just like martin star man all over the place yeah and i think uh i think the weakest part of the movie for me is ryan reynolds I've, i'm not a big fan of his for the most part i mean i like him as deadpool i, mean, I think that's really where he hit his stride yeah he uses in a bunch of kind of like not great comedies before that yeah and i think that i think this is falls right into that where it's just he's very much a just a, a pretty boy actor who can kind of act but he's more so there for just the presence you know so I, I don't think he's great in it and it kind of is unfortunate because some of the big drama of the movie revolves around that dynamic between him and Kristen Stewart and so sometimes his performance kind of hurts the movie in that way otherwise it, it wouldn't really be that big of an issue because it's very much an, an ensemble film I, I don't think he's great in it i think everybody else is pretty good i think i mean jesse eisenberg is just playing jesse eisenberg it's he's all right in the movie as that that type of person um he's kind of typecast yeah usually. totally i just like these hangout comedies you know it just at a, at a in this case, an amusement park and where it's just watching these different characters go through these wacky situations. And it, it does feel slightly ahead of its time. Like I said, it's still, it still feels long. I mean, it's only about an hour and 45 minutes, but it, by the end, I think it overstayed its welcome by 10 or 15 minutes. I, either way, I still think it's, it's quite funny and it, the characters are decent enough to where you care about them at least a little bit, you know? One of my favorites is the quote-unquote best friend of Jesse Eisenberg, who's always punching him in the balls, you know? That's a a classic, classic character. It's so over-the-top, but, like, in high school, that was, like, I I totally saw that happening, you know? Not really in a good way, but, I mean, being a a teenage boy or having been one, that I could totally relate to that in in terms of, I mean, I, I didn't do that, but it's that was such a, a teenage boy thing, like high school boy thing. Were you a popular kid in high school? No, <laughs> no, I, I kept to myself for the most part. So right, yeah. yeah, I was just, uh, you know, yeah, I, I just, I stayed in the background. Just a lone wolf. Pretty much. I mean, I, I had a couple, couple buddies, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was orange high school. So it wasn't really, uh, the most friendly of places. 
See, I was I was in band, so oh yeah, then you were pretty much where I was. You were set. Um, well, what are some things about Adventureland, Jacob? Uh, it was an adventure. Yeah, go watching it. Yeah. Um, this was the second movie I ever saw Jesse Eisenberg in. Zombieland being the first. Yeah. Um, and so this is what really established for me Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart's chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like they have a great on-screen presence together. Yeah. I feel like sort of um, it doesn't shine through that great in American Ultra. Uh, it's good in Cafe Society. Um you know, I wish they do more stuff together. Yeah. But I don't know. I bought the romance. I think a lot of the times in movies like this, you've got some awkward nerd character like Jesse Eisenberg, and they'll try and pair him with, you know, this crazy. Like, I don't really buy into the whole like league system, but you get it like in movies they try they they try and establish this relationship that doesn't seem very realistic mm. you know yeah uh just someone that the sort of milk toasty main character <laughs> doesn't have anything in common with mm-hmm. or um you know just just a, a very stereotypical uh pretty girl but i feel like you know i think it works for them Kristen Stewart fits into that uh still very attractive but just uh, kind of down to earth, you know, milk toasty girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Um, but I, I, so I feel like they, they, you know, they fit together like puzzle, like a puzzle. Yeah. And, I, uh, it, it makes sense. To me. I don't I don't know. I know. I, I, I see what you mean for sure. And I mean, I think as I've watched more of her, I mean, I, I have started to no- notice a few of her tricks, uh, I guess for lack of a, b- a better word, but I mean, she kind of has this awkward and I think it's natural because it's in every one of her performances. So I'm not really, I don't really fault her for it. It's just certain actors have certain just natural quirks that uh, you, you can't help but notice after a while, like the whole Brad Pitt tongue thing, like hanging out of his mouth. That's the most well-known. I've never noticed. No. That. <laughs> oh, you have to go back and watch Brad Pitt movies and you'll see he has his tongue hanging out. Just a, l- a little bit. I don't know. I read something about him always eating something. He is always eating as well. That's an, another thing. Yeah. But she kind of has this like awkward, like she'll kind of shrug her shoulders a little bit, shake her head a little bit, kind of bite her lower lip. And so she has these these little um, ticks that I, I don't think they're a bad thing. I, in her the early part of her career, she maybe relies on a little too much. And maybe that's just because she wasn't even that aware of them. You know, it's just a, a natural thing. And so just as she grows, she just becomes more, has more range. And so she is, she is funny in the movie. And I think that she works well with Jesse Eisenberg, as you said, I think they both, they have a good chemistry and they, I, I mean, I, I, I could see their relationship in real life happening. I mean, I, I wouldn't think it would be that weird. It's almost that dynamic is kind of almost of the time like like a 2009 like 2000s um stereotype or something like nerd culture has kind of become more mainstream and so people aren't as judgy of who's with who you know uh, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, in in many ways but 
and so in that way it's maybe it feels very 2009 uh, yeah i i think it works and it's it, it balances some good drama with moments of pretty wacky comedy it was it was a, a good time i i didn't love it but i i it was it holds up i think in in many ways so and i think all of the supporting cast are, are great i agree as well. yeah um yeah i'd say that i had a really good time with it um if i had you uh, yeah to say a few more things about it yeah i agree that it uh it's a product of its time very much um A lot. <laughs> lost what I was saying. Uh, yeah, you know, just what what you said. Yeah. About it, about it fitting that whole you know two thousand nine feeling of back when this kind of, uh, these kind of characters weren't as weren't as mainstream as they might be now. Yeah. On well, um, I, well, I guess we should say so. Greg Matola also did Superbad and Paul both seth rogan films and so yeah he's i guess he he definitely had a pretty big impact on comedy at the time because i would say super bad is i mean i would say one of the best comedies of that decade but also one of the most influential ones since in terms of how it's been copied so um i think there's some alternate reality where jesse eisenberg is the main character in hot rod instead of uh, andy samberg maybe so it's a great Bill Hader role. Yeah. As well. <clears throat> All right. Well, anything else about Adventureland? It's good. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, out of five? Let me give this a four. Four for me as well. Cool. So... All right. Well, I guess we can move on to uh, third film, which is Snow White and the Huntsman. And this one came out in 2012. And is directed by Rupert Sanders, who I guess most recently did Ghost in the Shell, the the live action one was was really? Scarlett Johansson, yeah. And uh, along with Kristen, it has Chris Hemsworth, Charlize Theron, Sam Claflin, Ian McShane, Ray Winstone, Toby Jones, uh, and I, th- I think if, if did I say Charlize Theron, yeah. And in a twist to the fairy tale, the huntsman ordered to take Snow White into the woods to be killed winds up becoming her protector and mentor in a quest to vanquish the evil queen. So I think this one, I think almost like marked the end of the Kristen Stewart, like uh, uh, the, the end, like was the end of the first phase of her career. I feel like after this, she kind of, is where her real interesting work started. I think in terms of more of the art house indie films, mm-hmm. I think, or I should say after this movie, she kind of broke that thought uh, or that thought process around her. And so this one uh, made 396 million against a budget of 170. And so, uh, you know, a, a decent hit, but probably not as much as many others like it. Just a, uh, disclaimer yeah um i have this is probably the only one i have not seen but uh i I do know a little bit about it but i'll I'll mostly let you carry this one don't have to worry about spoilers all right um i know it's probably it's 
probably not very good. It's okay, actually. While there were other live-action dark fairy tale retellings before, like, I mean, there's Alice in Wonderland and, and a few others as well. We've got Gretel and Hansel coming up. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Good old Gretel and Hansel. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it made a, a bigger impact than I think people realize. It showed that these live-action mm-hmm. films like this can actually be good. Um, I mean, to to a degree, it's not a masterpiece by any means. Certainly better than, what is it, I, Frankenstein? with but Certainly better. With, like, Daniel Radcliffe? Not, no, no, uh, that's a... Uh, uh, the guy who was Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight. Oh. Well, what's that other... Oh, Victor Frankenstein. That's... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's better than that, but... I mean, although I, I don't mind that movie. The best... One of the best things about it is that it has a, a lot of practical effects and, and sets, where it, which is something that has not really been copied all that much and not in the best way i think because having rewatched it it still holds up pretty well visually i think it looks quite good the dark forest and some of the 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 castle sequences all look very good still because they were real places seemingly that's one strong aspect about the movie i would say the weakest part of the film would be chris hemsworth his accent in the opening narration is brutal like it's trying to be like kind of English or, but it's also slightly off. And so I have no idea what he was going for. He kind of, he hurts the movie. He is someone who's kind of grown a little bit as an actor. I mean, he was good in rush. So like his, uh, his early Thor accent. Yeah. When he was kind of hamming it up. It was, it's a little Thorish. He, he's not great in the movie. And I mean, Kristen Stewart is okay. Again, I think this is her, right before her real breakout into really great performances, but I think she's okay. I would say the strongest part of the movie is Charlize Theron. She's very over the top, but her performance works so well and fits the tone of the movie so well somehow that it... queen? Yeah. Hmm. There's the one scene where she's in the... She goes into the... I guess it's a milk bath or something, and she walks down nude into this... Uh, pool of I, I guess it's milk or, or something of like white goo and then she comes up and she's completely covered in white and it's a very striking visual mm-hmm. Rupert Sanders directs he directs the heck out of it Jacob <laughs> of the movie I mean he's he's not a, an amazing director but I think he he made a stamp for sure and other other films like Maleficent and um, some of the other fairy tale films have were inspired by this one and at least in some ways. I mean, this one is derivative in many ways of Lord of the Rings and I would say Ridley Scott, especially with some of the action like uh, Gladiator and Robin Hood. Mm. I still think it it has a good, earns its place a, a, a little bit at least and is, is one that I, I feel like I, I go back to much more often than a lot of the others like it. And Kristen Stewart certainly fits the physical description of Snow White. Yeah. Yeah something about the direction that's very good is how the magical elements of the movie are very reserved. Like they're, they're not crazy special effects for the most part. They're just very either done through performances or they're done off screen. And so you're not constantly like poking holes in the absurdity of, of the magic in, in the movie, which is, is a good thing. And that's something that isn't always done very well um, in, in recent ones. And so you kind of get, put out of the movie a little bit, but I think in this one, it does it fairly well. I mean, I, I like medieval fantasy, so 
this one is uh it has some good action especially on rewatch it does feel long it's i mean it's it's over two hours which isn't crazy for a movie like this but for some reason i think having rewatched it a few times it feels a little long a little sluggish um i still would go back to this one rather than many others so and then I, there was the sequel. Did you see the sequel, Jacob? The Huntsman Winter's War? There was a sequel? Oh, yeah. I never heard you, of that. You got to check it out. Never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, and that one doesn't have Kristen Stewart. It's all about Chris Hemsworth. Well, then why would I see it? That's, that's I mean, yeah, you shouldn't. <laughs> but it, it has Emily Blunt. Uh, all right, well, then I might who's, who's, like, she's, that character is so interesting both from a, a character standpoint and from a, a design standpoint that I wish she had just been the whole movie, but sadly that's not the case. This one is definitely better than the other. So I, I, I like it. I, I think it's kind of underrated in, in many ways. It's not, it's not a masterpiece, like I said, but it's, it has some really, really cool elements that I don't think are appreciated enough in the, the fairy tale genre, you know? Good. Yeah. Good. I will check it out. Yeah. So check it out from your library. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Feel free. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, it's a four for me. So I'll give it a four. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we can move on into some of her more indie works. And so, uh, clouds of sales Maria is next. And so this one came out in 2014 and this one is written and directed by Olivier Assayas and stars Juliette Binoche, Kristen Stewart, Chloe Grace Moretz, uh, Lars Eidinger, Johnny Flynn. And the synopsis is a film star comes face to face with an uncomfortable reflection of herself while starring in a revival of the play that launched her career. This one, in many ways, it got Kristen Stewart back on the map for great performances. And after I saw this, I was back on board with her. I've, I've been hooked ever since Jacob. And, but yeah, this one made 4.7 million against the budget of 5.1. I was just looking at some notes. Oh, you're fine. Against the budget of 5.1. So not a, not a really big hit. Mm. Well, Jacob, what did you, what do you think of this one? I love it. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I mean, I love Juliette Binoche mm-hmm. as well. So just like a power couple there with Juliette yeah. Binoche and Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Double, double whammy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Juliette Binoche, typically French foreign film actor, mm-hmm. but occasionally makes her way into, I don't know if I'd call this an American film, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I would call it French, but with a couple English actors, or with, I guess, one English actor, or two, two, but. Yeah, but, um, <clears throat> you know, Kristen Stewart plays the, the loyal assistant, American assistant, um, some sexual tension. Yeah. I think, anyway. Yeah. Um, between her and, her and Juliette Binoche. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz also in there. And she, and she plays... Uh, she's someone who's also grown on me recently. I think oh, she's... Yeah, yeah. I'm start, starting to enjoy her work more and more. So She's doing some indies as well, like the miseducation of 
Cameron Post. Yeah, which we reviewed yeah. on the the regular show. Mm-hmm. So, um, she plays that you know the young upstart actress that's Lindsay Lohan esque. Yeah, it's <laughs> doing the the role that that uh, I don't know, what is the character name Juliette Binoche? Who does she play? I cannot recall. Uh, she's Maria Enders. That's right. Yeah, so uh, Claire Grace Moretz character playing the role in this play that Maria had played years before and sort of clashing. Yeah. And uh, Kristen Stewart's there to offer the support. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they spend a lot of time in the the mountains together. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. A little little getaway. Hiking and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I believe the play was was meant to be like a lesbian drama. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So um I think Kristen Stewart really shines in this movie. Yeah. Even though she's not the the lead um like she was in the the past two movies we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um she really comes through. Yeah. I mean I mean I I guess I should have said it more at the beginning, but I I I can say it now. There's just something about Kristen Stewart that's just like cool. You know, I mean, for for lack of, of of a more academic word, it's just there's just something kind of grounded about her and down to earth, and also just really cool. And but at the same time, she's super awkward. Yeah, I really, and it's like I really got that from the uh, the Charlie's Angels trailer. Yeah, she some and I th- it seems natural in terms of what I've seen her in and with interviews, but she's but somehow manages to be both like trying to be cool but she or i mean not really trying to be cool but she kind of has a cool vibe about her but she kind of fails at it sometimes and so she kind of bounces back to like the teenage nerd a little bit yeah, I think which she'd be uh she'd probably be really cool to hang out with i think so too yeah. but she is i think in this movie that comes through this it might it's one of my favorite performances of hers for sure the the dynamic between her and Juliette Binoche is like a, is an amazing, very memorable relationship. I mean, any, any conversation about art or, and, and literature and, and film and, and music, anything else in this movie, he, they, they do a good job of being, making it like semi pretentious, but being able to bring it back to reality, so to speak, and not having it be just, these hoity-toity people talking about art, but like having it feel relatable. Like the the scene once they've gone and see, seen the like the X Men movie with Chloe Grace Moretz, yeah, yeah. and they're talking at the bar, and she, Kristen Stewart is like from a, a, an earnest point of view of why Chloe Grace Moretz's character is so badass and and strong. And then at the same time, Juliette Binoche is like laughing at everything she's saying because she's talking about a, a big, goofy soap opera comic book film. And which, but the best thing about those dynamics is that they're both right. So yeah, like, I, yeah. which is, I love, like you can get behind someone laughing at a comic book movie, no matter how earnest you think it is, someone's always going to be there to laugh at it. It's like, no, this is just a stupid comic book movie. Which, in many ways, they're right because, yeah, it's ridiculous. They're talking about things that they that doesn't exist in any way that are just from comic book movies or comic books from the 1940s. I mean, this movie came out before 
before the whole comic book craze, right? Well, I mean, it was like 2014, so it was kind of in the in the heart of it, I would say. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I was thinking it was way earlier. Yeah. And so you, you can get where Juliet Binoche is laughing at it um, or get why she's doing that, but then also you can get why Kristen Stewart can be so earnest about how a comic book film or something along those lines can still have genuine emotion in it and speaks to the the director and, and his writing because that's the best kind of relationship in, in a film where both people are right and you can you struggle with deciding who you should side with if you, if you ever are able to yeah um that really really works and again i think that they're able to make a good balance of the uh keeping it grounded even if they are talking about like you know how someone acts in in a film or the writing of a of, of a famous playwright or something you know which could come across as very pretentious and eye rolling but it doesn't so anything else about this one it's just a great yeah great description there of that scene oh thank you yeah. one other thing ab- about it that comes down to a lot of the direction is that since they do run lines together they it's directed in the way that you you don't know at first that they're at, that they're running lines that they're just it's just seems like they're having a conversation about relationship crumbling but it's actually about the the two women in the play their romance falling apart they do a good job of blending these or creating these parallel lines between the uh relationship in the play to Kristen Stewart and Juliet Binoche's relationship and so I like that, that um sorry to interrupt. no no go ahead I, I like that scene where they're hiking and they see yeah the cloud. yeah 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 that's that yeah, they that's, see the cloud of silver yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's that's and that feels very French <laughs> Asaias directed personal shopper which we'll get to in, in a little bit as well but he loves fading to black mm-hmm. you know he loves it <laughs> but um and maybe a little too much honestly like there would just be scenes that would like someone would be talking and it would just suddenly fade to black, which isn't a, a bad thing inherently, but at times it was a little overused. It's very elegantly directed and very graceful and very quiet. And so it feels very French in that way. And I, and I guess it's, it's also dealing with forbidden romance as well. And so it, it, it feels very like a very French film. Oh, yeah. um, Chloe Grace Moretz is very good. I would say the, the best scene or one of the best scenes in the film, aside from that great comic book conversation, uh, Jacob is the scene where Chloe Grace Moretz meets Juliet Binoche at the, the hotel or whatever it is. And they're the three of them are just having a genuine conversation about how uh, Moretz was so inspired by Juliet Binoche's acting work mm-hmm. um, early on in her life and how that, inspired her to, to become an actress and it's and again it it, it manages to feel relatable like she, you, you feel like that that love for the the those um that actor's work is genuine like you're like you you can understand how someone could see that in her and it's really is um dramatic and, and compelling um even though at the same time sorry to be uh 
just jabbering on here, everybody, but might as well. What is this? What this podcast is for, man? Yeah, <laughs> should be the tagline. You know, it's able to cover cover material that. Oh, I mean, I, I guess one thing that the director is able to do well in general is incorporate cliches or like concept the concept around cliches and kind of break them down, especially when it comes to celebrities. Chloe Grace Moretz, you have the Lindsay Lohan kind of party girl, young young actor, celebrity um, aspects of the character where she'll be on a talk show and she'll be like acting like a complete bitch and, you know, not giving two craps about any, anybody, <laughs> you know. And But then at the same time, like the, the scene I was just talking about, she's completely normal. Vulnerable. Yeah, and vulnerable and saying something completely genuine. And I think that speaks to both the writing and Chloe Grace Moretz's performance because you can believe, see that happening on both sides. Was and that I, the, was that the thing you forgot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I got, I got it back. We got it now. Yeah. Sorry. I had a little, uh, brain moment, but especially in this day and age where social media is so apparent, I think that makes sense because you can see actors who will act like com- complete nitwits in real life, but then somehow they can give really emotional performances yeah it feels it feels of this time but i think it it works um and it feels grounded acting is just pretending right yeah (laughs) i mean in many ways and uh kind of random did you see the actors on actors by variety with Kristen stewart and shia labeouf recently i don't think i have oh it's good like both of them it's it's them talking yeah yeah, and if if you haven't heard, there's this this um, series on YouTube that Variety does um, called Actors on Actors, and they'll get two actors who are in new films of completely different backgrounds and put them together and have them give like just regular conversations, b- b- kind of interview each other. So is that for like Honey Boy, I guess? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so, yeah, Kristen Stewart and Shia LaBeouf did one recently, which was really, really good. Um, and it, they have... Like uh, Jennifer Lopez and Robert Pattinson did one, um, so it's very like uncommon dynamics, but it, it it's so interesting. I'll have to look that up. And so if if you like watching actors similar to this movie, if you like just watching movies about behind the scenes of acting and film and and theater, even sometimes I think you should yeah check it out. But yeah, well I watch a ton of a ton of stuff like that. I mean I follow like Vanity Fair, Variety. Uh, wired mm-hmm. and just all the press junkets as you eat it up yeah you know? well i mean you, you don't have to do much work because i share everything for you you know on, on facebook you know you can just go down the feed it's all in my youtube recommendeds and henry's facebook yeah profile um so is is honey boy about shia labeouf's childhood but he's playing his father yes that's what i thought that's right so <sighs> Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, anything else about Sils Maria? It's very French. Mm-hmm. They don't have as many hangups about sex and nudity and romance yeah. and all that. Which personal shopper gets into, though? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. The French. I think I would say that. I think French cinema is like probably one of my favorites. I would agree. Favorite favorite it's not only a genre but like regions of film 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in my uh, degree program, I had to watch a lot of Russian cinema, German cinema, Italian, French. Mm-hmm. I think I think the French do a great job. I would agree, yeah. And I, I mean, I like a Nordic film as well, like Swedish and uh, like, like I mean, like the girl with the dragon tattoo is, right, is yeah. Swedish, you know, so stuff like that I really enjoy as well. Mm. Like with French film, you get more of the kind of elegance kind of um, and then like with Nordic film, you get more of the slightly sharp kind of colder uh, thrillers and mysteries. And so there, I mean, just European cinema in general is very, very interesting and, and diverse. So. All right. Well, out of five, Jacob. Five. Five for me. That's good. Okay, so I guess we can move on to our fifth film of the day. And that is Certain Women, which came out in 2016. And uh, it's directed by Kelly Reichardt. And it stars Kristen Stewart, Laura Dern, Michelle Williams, John Getz, uh, James LaGrosse, Jared Harris... And the synopsis is the lives of three women intersect in small town America where each is imperfectly blazing a trail. (laughs) So I had heard about this one when it came out. I don't, I think I I was curious about it, but I never really got around to, to watching it until just uh, about two days ago. I saw it at uh, Aperture. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, it made, uh, 1.5 million against a $2 million budget. So another pretty small movie, but so it didn't make back its budget. No mm. failure, <laughs> failure. Um, and so this one, like, like the, the synopsis kind of alludes to, so it's these three, um, separate storylines at first, like there's Laura Dern is, um, dealing with a, She's a lawyer who's uh, one of her. Uh, what do you, what do you call him? Client? One of her clients. Thank you. Uh, is <clears throat> very damaged from a, a being hurt on the job, and he's being um, neglected by or or um, rejected by the insurance companies, and so he's kind of um, lose breaking down very quickly, and she's trying to help control that situation you know the the dynamics between those two characters and then there is the michelle williams storyline which is the she's a a mother who has a troubled or a a teenage daughter who is they don't really get along very well and then she has this husband who is kind of he cares for her but doesn't always listen to to michelle williams and so there's the sparring back and forth of these these this family um, as they're trying to build this new house for themselves. Right, yeah. And then there's the Kristen Stewart storyline, whereas uh, I guess it's not actually her. I mean, it's not really her story. Lily Gladstone is the the main character of, of that storyline. Yeah, where yeah. She, she's a, a rancher, a farmhand, uh, so to speak, and she goes into town one day and she sees this group of people going to a, a school or a something like that, like a rec center. Kristen Stewart is teaching this class 
and she immediately kind of becomes interested in her and the, the, the two have uh, meals at, at the diner late at night and Kristen Stewart is discussing how um, her drive is like four hours each way to get to this this job and how her her life is is slowly falling apart in many ways and you can tell how interested Lily Gladstone is in Kristen Stewart and I mean we were talking about it off air just a few minutes ago but I could not believe how good Kristen Stewart was in this not to say that I, like it's that I didn't think she could do it but like her performance and I think Lily Gladstone as well who I don't think I've ever seen before mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. so nuanced and subtle and and quiet but they're so moving yeah that was definitely my favorite relationship of the movie and not just because i like kristen stewart uh i just felt like it outshined the other two uh yeah you know there's that scene with the the horse where she wants kristen stewart to to ride on the horse with her yeah you know it's not it's not a bad thing by by any means i mean it's more i guess heartbreaking in some ways you can like feel how lonely this director is like, I mean, cause I mean, cause yeah. the, the whole film is dealing with different kinds of loneliness where like Laura Dern is stuck in this situation where she can't really help this person who needs help. Uh, and, and at the same time she needs to take care of herself and she can't always do that. And so she's very much st- stuck in the situation where no one else really knows this guy and who knows how to to deal with it and her her story gets really really crazy at the end right? like I, I believe yeah there's a, like a hostage situation yeah, yeah. Being held hostage yeah mm-hmm. then michelle williams is feels kind of ostracized because she can't really connect with her husband nor with her daughter she's just trying to to get by and, and be have her voice be heard my, my favorite is by far the the final one and you can see like there's the scene where the Lily Gladstone is at the ranch. I mean, and there are many scenes of her just by herself going about work with the horses and all of that. But there's the scene, I think towards the very beginning of that storyline where she uh, is like watching TV or something. And then you can just see how kind of desperate she is for interaction. And so she turns it off and and that's when she goes into town. I mean, it's one thing to do, to deal with the film about loneliness, but I think that when it's like seeping through the movie, it's, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking from a, a personal perspective, just because you know, someone who's able to communicate that so effectively feels that way. But at the same time, cinematically, it's incredibly compelling and uh, dramatic. That subtle dynamic between Kristen Stewart and Lily Gladstone is like, it's one of the the most compelling and interesting pieces of film that I've seen in a long time. Like I, I, I wish that could have just been the whole movie. Honestly, I agree. Like every scene, especially in that storyline feels like it has a purpose. And that, I think that speaks to the direction, but like the scene where you, you see how the relationship ends and there's the long scene of Lily Gladstone driving back to the ranch and you, and there's just like, a few minutes of, of you looking right at her and and realizing like she's having to go back to this very isolated life all over again. This is like the one person that she had connected with in a long, long time. And now she just has to, 
to go back. And I think the final scene is like, it's one of the best final shots that I've seen. It's just life goes on. You can't really, can't really do much about it. You just got to keep going. Cause I mean, and it's done in a way to where, cause she's, she's walking these horses back and forth between this, these doors or this, these rooms. And it's almost done from a perspective of that. You could see Kristen Stewart popping up there. Like you, like you could see that because that's there's that's happened before where someone will like be doing something and the, their the love of their life will pop up and happy happily ever after. But in this case, it's like hinting at that, but it it doesn't happen, Jacob. No. That's and that's what happens in life, unfortunately, sometimes. But art imitates life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I had heard good things about it, but I could not believe how invested I was in this movie by the end of it. So it's really worth watching if if you uh, are up for it. You know, it's not a really a happy movie, but it's it's very very nuanced and unique. Oh yeah, if you're a Kristen Stewart fan. It's a must see. Yeah, I, this it might it might be my favorite of hers. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's either that or or Sils Maria. Okay. And one thing about Kristen Stewart is one thing about Kristen Stewart that someone I was talking to yesterday was mentioning, it's like, it's, she almost seems to be dressed the same way in like every movie, but it's just slightly different. Like she kind of has a dorky, like kind of off kilter look to her, but it, it works for whatever reason. She, she pulls it off, you know, she's got mom jeans. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And then at like, and she'll pair that with like a leather jacket or something. And it's just, it's cool. I mean, that's again, it's just, there's something very different about her and it's, it's in- interesting, but yeah, it's, it's a very, at, at first I was a little worried because it just seemed kind of like a almost annoyingly subdued and reserved. Um, but then I think once you get an understanding of the pacing and the flow and, and the style of the movie, I think it's, it earns its, its vision, so to speak. So Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? And but yeah, that the the scene on the horse is amazing. The where they they ride together, and when Lily Gladstone goes to try and find Kristen Stewart, that's really really good as well. Where she's like waiting for her, and you can see how nervous she is about seeing her again and how she's going to react. So I think that that performance, along with Kristen Stewart, is is amazing. And I, I don't think that actress got enough attention for that. I think she's really really good in it because she doesn't even say that much. It's almost yeah. all purely through. <laughs> expression so yeah, you get the impression that she's much more invested in this relationship than Kristen Stewart yeah you know you get the impression that she thinks that this is going to go somewhere but that uh that Kristen Stewart's character really that was not her expectation you know or she may not even have known how you know how much uh, Lily Gosselin's character had like fallen for her, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, because there was a lot of love there, and uh, you don't know if that was like legitimate love or if it was just desperation. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, craving human connection because she did lead such a lonely life. Yeah, you know, and this is the first person that she really came across that she felt like she could connect with. Yeah. I think from Kristen Stewart's perspective, um, 
she, she was uh, just being an, a nice person. Or like she she wasn't expecting like a you know to settle down with her or anything or to like you know she wasn't expecting like a happily ever after. Yeah. So I think that that was like a kind of like a gut punch to Lily Gladstone's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I uh, I didn't expect the movie to end so so tragically mm-hmm. for everyone, but. It, uh, it's the way it goes <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it really was like after i watched it i was like wow you know that's very realistic yeah you know um the happily ever after ending doesn't usually happen in life you know it's stuff happens and then just time keeps marching forward yeah man you know that's the way it goes your the love of your life doesn't show up at the barn after you split ways that's that's the way it goes usually yeah I'm not gonna say it never happens but it, it happens it, uh, it happens you know yeah so i liked the realistic portrayal of relationships and uh yeah and, you know N- yeah never jacob never take it for granted if it works never never take that uh that for granted you know don't so. know what you've got till it's gone exactly so uh, one thing, one kind of random thing about the movie that I had, I talked to you uh, a few minutes ago, the, uh, I think one thing that it's a little nuance of the character of Kristen Stewart, but when they're eating at the diner and you can, she's talking about how tired she is of, of driving and you can just see how exhausted she is from her life in many ways. She's, and I, I don't know if this was written or if this is something Kristen Stewart did, but I loved it so much is that you can tell she's, she's so tired that when she's wiping her mouth, uh, she takes the napkin that's wrapped up around the silverware with a little piece of like tape or something. And she just wipes her mouth with the rolled up napkin. <laughs> like she doesn't even take the time to unroll the napkin. Yeah. And I thought that was such a funny kind of endearing little look into the character because it's like she's so tired of everything she doesn't even take the time to unroll the napkin to wipe her mouth she just keeps it you know and she uh i was surprised at how much eating she did in this movie because oh, yeah. like eating isn't really something that happens a lot in movies yeah because maybe it's hard to direct or it's just like you know i don't really know why but uh I just know that you don't see a lot of actors on screen eating like a whole, mm-hmm. like finishing a whole, a whole meal or like, except Brad Pitt, you know? Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's the king. <laughs> I don't know. There, there are times like in like the Zodiac, right? Uh, like Mark Ruffalo is a vegetarian. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo so is always eating. Yeah. They had him just like eat that burger, <laughs> just like leave it in his mouth and then spit it out after the take. Yeah. Don't yeah. know why they couldn't get vegetarian burgers for Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Maybe he's not important enough. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, eating is always something weird to me in movies because, you know, it's just, it's one of those, uh, you know, everyday life things that is necessary for our survival that you don't really see injected into, uh, you know, a, a movie that's supposed to be sort of like an escapist, like larger than life sort of thing i don't know yeah no no i, I get that no you know what i'm saying oh yeah i i i'm feeling it uh 
but no and and zodiac yeah that's that's a good a good example is like he he's always eating like they're always at diners and he's always like you got animal crackers you? you know stuff like that so that's and i mean that feels very david fincher you know that kind yeah. of detail because yeah directors like that i think they try to they try to get the realism yeah you know so and i, I think that's it this movie feels incredibly natural so. yeah because you know a lot of movies you'll watch it and you'll be like you won't even be able to tell like how many days it took it took place over and mm-hmm. no one's ever like sleeping or eating or, you know going to the bathroom yeah they're all just you're like did the whole movie happen in one night mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. you know so she eats a grilled cheese and a cheeseburger i believe nice and uh some fries love it if i'm remembering correctly yeah it's very important yeah it's very important that i remember <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but so, i uh good stuff yeah i mean one, one last thing I, I think that the scene that i touched on earlier but the scene where lily gladstone goes to see kristen stewart at her new job which is kind of like the final resolution of that that re- relationship um i think is it's so incredibly well directed and you get everything almost through the performance because like you'll Kristen Stewart kind of has this very complex expression on her face where it's communicating like, I see what you're, you're feeling, but that's not really what I'm doing. But I, it's like, but I appreciate it at the same time. Like I got all of that just through her performance and at the same time you from her from uh lily gladstone you got the ideas of like i'm here i came all this way it seemed like you were interested in me but you know it's it just it's very very rich and it's so subtle at the same time and right. so I, I don't know how i don't know how kelly did it jacob the master yeah <laughs> you know she's been i've been sleeping on her you know do we know what else what else is she directed I think she did. Um, she did another movie with uh, Michelle Williams' Meeks Cutoff, which is a western. And then hmm. um, she did. Let's see. She, oh, she did Night Moves with Jesse Eisenberg. That's right. Yeah, that seems like it's about it. But I, I think yeah, it, it's the direction is one of the best parts about the movie. And I think in terms of also dealing with loneliness, there's the final scene with Laura Dern and jared harris where she's uh, or uh jared harris is in prison but um laura dern comes to see him with some food and jared harris is discussing how he doesn't he just wants to hear from somebody like he, he doesn't care if they just talk about the weather or if they talk about their day he just wants to hear something and so again that's kind of another element of or his his perspective on loneliness where it's like he, he just wants to hear what somebody has to say he could care less what they're saying yeah uh because he's just been stuck in prison all this time with all of these with all these regrets and and being isolated from everybody and and, if, and that's another scene with food he gets a milkshake a vanilla milkshake i think by the end it really it creates you know f- f- many many different perspectives different perspectives on that same idea uh, like there's the the older guy in Michelle Williams's storyline who's kind of starting to decline a little bit and very much alone in many ways, and so yeah, it's it's very very nuanced in how it goes about it, and 
you you really need to see the whole movie before you really get that completely. Um, I mean, which sounds maybe pretentious, like you really need to, but you need to give the movie time to build. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So ch- check it out. And uh, it's on, it's on Criterion. I might have to buy the Criterion. You should. Yeah. An interesting fact about food in movies, please. Um, it's not always real. Uh, that show Riverdale. Yeah, the, one uh, of your favorites. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The um, the edgy teen adaptation of the Archie comics. Uh, you know they they have a diner they always go to and they're always getting milkshakes. I was watching an interview with KJ Apa, the Kiwi actor who plays Archie, and he said that uh, it's not ice cream; it is warm Greek yogurt because mm. it needs to keep its shape right and not melt. So warm greek yogurt with whipped cream and a cherry nice you know they gotta drink that i like greek sometimes, yogurt sometimes so yeah do you think you could drink a warm greek yogurt if i had to if i was being paid <laughs> a lot of money sure <laughs> yeah so uh yeah just interesting fact yeah in case anyone was wondering yeah cool all right well uh it's a it's a heavy five for me oh yeah yeah all right. Well, I guess we can get get on to our last review, which is Personal Shopper, which also came out in 2016. Personal Shopper. And this one is also directed by Olivier Assayas, who did Clouds of Sils Maria. And uh, it stars Kristen Stewart, Lars Eidinger, uh, Anders Danielson Lee. And that's about it, I believe. Do we ever actually see the woman that she's personal shopping for? You see her dead. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um the synopsis is a personal shopper in Paris refuses to leave the city until she makes contact with her twin brother who previously died there. Her life becomes more complicated when a mysterious person contacts her via text message. Right. So yeah, this was Asaius's follow-up to uh, Clouds of Sils Maria. And I, I mean, I, I saw it in theaters. I didn't know anything about it going in. I don't think I had, I don't know if I had seen Sils Maria before this. I, I, I think I was just went because it was Kristen Stewart, but <clears throat> I, I rewatched it last night and I, I think it's good. I don't think it's as good as Sils Maria. Apparently, uh, Sils Maria, Kristen Stewart was the first American actress to win a Cesar Award. That's right. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you brought that up. So, yeah, this one is dealing with this. uh, Kristen Stewart is this young personal assistant, personal shopper to the celebrity. And she's also a medium. And she's, it's all about her trying to um, make contact with her brother who has died who died suddenly of this heart attack and um she like moves into like his old house or mm. something right oh yeah or she she goes and visits it and yeah yeah and it's all about kristen stewart trying to navigate this life of kind of i mean chaos in many ways i mean she's having to fill in for the celebrity many at many points and she's just being kind of controlled 
by many other people and not really having much of a say, I think. And, and then at, at the same time, like the synopsis uh, mentioned, there's this element, this, at, at least at first, a supernatural element of this person messaging her constantly, knowing exactly where she is, what she's doing, um, and following her, but she never sees who, at least until the end. But it's it's done very well, and it is an interesting parallel to the whole ghost element, because you think, okay, is this something ridiculous, like someone trying to contact her through the grave, but it's, you know, it's, it's but it, it's done in a way that feels... Um, I mean, it's slightly, it's, it's over the top, but it's kind of pulpy at the same time. And the, uh, the, the supernatural stuff feels kind of like it's on the back burner. It is. Know, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, it, it's very subdued. This is much more about Kristen Stewart. Um, sort of wanting to imagine herself as, as being that upper class of, of person, just kind of being okay with leading this life of mediocrity yeah um as a as a personal assistant um which i know personal assistants do get paid very well they can yeah um but you know there of course there's that there's that pretty standout scene of her trying on the the lady's dresses Mm -hmm. that she's just brought her um because she's dead yeah so great scene yeah um and that stuff feels very french oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so very uh, you know non-sexual nudity yeah yeah the the french the french are good at that you know yeah, yeah. uh like i said no hang-ups so um mm-hmm. they're very good at displaying nudity uh without it having to be overly sexualized like here in a in america <laughs> yeah so yeah i yeah i agree i think that i enjoy her journey for the most part i do find the movie unlike clouds of sills maria i do find this one to be kind of frustratingly um ambiguous at times which i mean i get is it's dealing with ghosts and so obviously it's ar- already something very supernatural and c- confusing for lack of a better word, but it's, I think it's, I think it could have been communicated in a way in terms of this person moving on from someone's death and like wanting to connect with them again, even, even though they've passed away and then also trying to figure out how to move on without them. I still think that those ideas are a little frustrating and how they're communicated because I don't know if I totally got the point of the movie by the end. Like I mean, I like the, the ideas I just said. That's what a, that's what the film is discussing. But I think at the same time, by the end, I think it feels a little confused. Which maybe that's the point. I I don't, I don't know, but I don't think it, it does a good enough job of totally making that um, uh, an effective idea or discussion. It's true. It does. It does feel a little. What's the word? Uh lost yeah it doesn't feel like it has a clear it's a little messy clear path for where where it's trying to trying to go yeah just it's just sort of like a you know what it you've got the the box over here says uh 
an evocative character study. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I, I, that's my favorite part about the movie. And I mean, I think that the the supernatural elements are done pretty well. Like, I think the look of the ghosts are pretty cool. And they're they're very subdued and minimalist. But I think that for this movie, it works. And it, it tries to ground it in a reality. And so I think that... That stuff is very good. I think that the murder of this, the celebrity is maybe a little much. I don't know. Because it's pretty bloody, the scene where she encounters her. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if that... I don't know if that adds anything to the end of the film. The, the, the final ideas. I don't know if... I mean, I guess in some ways you needed it for the whole idea of the, the text messages. But I think it, it, it feels a little overdone. And so that stuff like that feels kind of out of place and not nearly as direct and clear as Sils Maria. I think this is another really great performance. Oh, I agree. I think, I think she's very good. I think she has a very good way of, she can be scared or show fear very well. Like she's very good at like shaking and Mm -hmm. kind of trembling. And um, especially when she's being messaged by this unknown person she has a, like it, it communicates a very realistic, relatable kind of sense of, okay, I'm being followed by someone constantly and I can't control it. So and, very curious to see how, like how her performance is going to be in Charlie's angels. Mm-hmm. When I go see it later, just after all of these, just great knockout indie performances, really just her getting back into the, the blockbuster scene. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm I'm curious about it as well. Has she done anything after Personal Shopper? I think she's been in a couple indie movies. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but she, and she's going to be in Seagrid, I think it is, or Seaberg uh, later this year, which is about the the French New Wave actress from Breathless. That's right. And then she's going to be in Underwater next year. Oh which, yeah, yeah, which looks that fun. Looked interesting. Yeah, it looks fun. And so, I think. Um, yeah, but she's, she's very good in this very, very quiet. Like, she, I mean, she often is, but I think that it's, it's compelling and, and it's, it's detailed and very complex in terms of what she's feeling and, and portraying. And so she really carries the movie very well. Like whenever she was, um, I mean, I, I guess she's on screen and she's in every scene really pretty much and so i guess there's never it's all about it's all about her yeah there's never really a, a, a lag with that but i don't even think she really she really does a whole lot of interacting with other characters does she you know? yeah kind of back and forth but I, th- I think what the best scene in the movie is the scene towards the end where she's on the the back patio talking to i guess it's her late brother's friend or um roommate something like that mm-hmm. and it's just a very down to earth conversation about how she's feeling about her brother and, and move trying, trying to move on from her brother. And I think th- that the writing and the performance in that scene is so, so good. And it, it's, it, it, it gets back to the Sils Maria kinds of conversations where it's just them t- having very relaxed down to earth conversations, but it, it's so, um, uh, provocative and, and and interesting you know oh yeah so i think it, yeah but it's it's good it's not having rewatched it i think it, it went down a little bit for me i didn't like it as much as when i first saw it but 
I still think it's it's a cool um, part of her filmography for sure. So, and I hope that they she works more with Olivier Assayas because I think they have a cool relationship. So I agree. Yeah, looks like she was in after Personal Shopper, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Oh yeah, the Ang Lee movie, Lizzie, and J T Leroy. Okay, yeah, I. Yeah, those three you mentioned. I I, I want to see um, Camp X-Ray, where she plays a Guantanamo oh, yeah. Bay prison uh, prison guard, and I want to see that. And at some point, I'll watch the Ang Lee movie. It just seems so sentimental and sappy that I I think I really need to be in the right mood for that. She was also in Equals with Nicholas Holt. I missed that one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But and uh, yeah, so she's. I mean, like we've said, she has a really really interesting filmography and i think that that she's really earned her place and i I would say she's maybe a hot take but i think she's one of the most interesting actors working today i agree you know i mean again it's not she doesn't have five out of fives every single time but i think that her range and um and variety in films is much better and more interesting than most other actors working at least at, at her age so it's pretty impressive you know, and she's of course has really grown as an actress, and so that is that much more impressive. So she's a badass. Oh yeah, she, total badass. I so, agree. Yeah, I'll be the first to say. Yeah. All right. Well, it's it's a four for me. Five. Five. Whew. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we can end off. If you're new to the show, do you have yours already? <laughs> I forgot, but. I can, uh, you know, I can, I can improvise. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So if, if you, if you're new to the bonus shows, we've started to do something, uh, called the, the five, I guess it's the, the highs and lows where we'll do top five and bottom five moments of, um, the films that we've discussed, whether it's a performance, a visual, um, score. Sorry, that, that was my dog. Uh, or anything really, anything that we loved or that we hated, and so I guess I'll, I can start off. Sure. So, top five, Jacob. All right. All right. So, uh, five is the milk bath in Snow White and the Huntsman. Just right. love it. Such such a cool visual. Number four, the portrayal of loneliness in certain women. Like we said, check out that review if you haven't. You know, very good. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. And then number three, the practical effects and sets in Snow White and the Huntsman. Just very, still holds up, looks very good, much better than the majority of other films like it, I would say. Uh, number two, any conversation about art in Clouds of Sils Maria. Just very engaging, very new and inspired and very grounded in the same way. Um, and then number one, Kristen Stewart and Certain Women. Just absolute All right. blowout. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> My top five. Uh, let's say number five. I, lo- I gotta love that baseball scene. Oh, yeah. Twilight. Oh yeah. You know it's it's killer. It's a classic scene. So uh, four. Um, that scene from Sils Maria where they're they're hiking. Yeah. The, you know, having that conversation with the the cloud. Yeah. You know, you know I really like that. Uh, three. 
I think the use of food in certain women, for whatever reason, I just like what they did with the, all the diner scenes. Yeah. And Kristen Stewart chowing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, um, just her... These last two are just going to be like general performances. That's okay. Two, just her general understated performance and personal shopper. I uh, I really enjoyed. And one, same as you, uh, just her overall performance in certain women. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, the lows. Uh, so, like, uh, unlike you, uh, number five is the vampire baseball scene <laughs> in Twilight. Just it's. I mean, it's there's entertaining entertaining aspects about it, but from a uh, uh, more grounded perspective. It's just, I can't do it. Uh, for Chris Hemsworth's accent and Snow White, especially the opening narration, horrible. Uh, then the anno- uh, number three, the annoying ambiguity of personal shopper. Not not super apparent or, or noticeable, just every once in a while kind of got that. Like I said, number two, Ryan Reynolds in Adventureland. And then number one, the overall poor acting and execution of the first Twilight. I forgot about Adventureland. Yeah. Damn. Probably, probably, if we were doing like a top 10, there'd be some Adventureland stuff. In there. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, yeah, I would also say ambiguity of, of personal shopper felt a little messy. The fact that Snow White and the Huntsman is probably not going to be that great once I get around to watching it. Taylor Lautner, maybe. Mm, True. Good old Taylor. Yeah. He dated Taylor Swift for a little while. Oh, did he? Yeah. Everyone made a joke that if they got married, they (laughs) would both be named Taylor Lautner. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. The blue-gray filter over the whole Twilight movie. Totally. And just Twilight in general. Mm. Just negative. Hunk of junk. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that about does it, I think, unfortunately. I wish I wish we could just keep going, Jacob, but, you know, uh, life goes on. Life does go on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, thank you again so much for downloading and, and donating uh, because we it really helps to go support the film buds and the music buds. It all goes to the same place. And so I, we appreciate you helping out all of that and check out the filmbuds.com, the musicbuds.com, all that stuff. And yeah, just stay up to date with the regular show. We have, I guess next week we have uh, motherless Brooklyn and last Christmas as the two reviews for next week, two new films. You're going to see that too. Yeah. And so, yeah, keep an eye out for that and make sure to check out our most recent show on Dr. Sleep and the Nightingale, which is a really uh, good time. And Jacob, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy these uh, these actor um, introspectives. You know, I think we should try and do some more if you're up for it. Sure, yeah, yeah. D- director and actor ones. Yeah. You know, I, I do. Yeah, and so, and if, any, if you have any ideas out there the film buds podcast at gmail.com is where you can reach us at would we'd love to hear suggestions and recommendations and so uh but i mean we'll definitely try to keep doing them as time goes on and while you're you're in the area and so yeah i might i think i'm 
I think my availability is pretty much shrunk to weekends. Mm-hmm. But that's know, cool. Yeah. Uh, I think an interesting bonus show to do would be on the works of just female directors. Yeah, totally. That'd be a good. One. Yeah, I'd be down yeah. for sure. And so, and we'd love to get you back on the regular show as well. Yeah, Chloe uh, told me to tell you she misses you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we we'd love to get you back on back on there at some point, but. Yeah, well, we we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. And once again, thank you so much for uh, for downloading and and taking the time to spend, you know, the your money, spend the day and your money with us. <laughs> so yeah, and Jacob, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. You taking the time. No problem. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>